0: hello and welcome to into the aether it's a low-key video game podcast and my name is brendan bigley i'm steven hilger welcome back to the show. Welcome back to more Arceus.
1: Arceus. Okay. There's been a lot of debate in the Discord. There's been and a lot of debate
0: in the Discord. Yeah.
1: And a lot of shade thrown at me <laughs> for saying Crowagunk when I guess it's Crow Gunk. But let me ask you this I disagree. What sounds
0: better. Yeah. Crow sounds better.
1: Crowagunk sounds like a Sistine Chapel esque work of art. Crowagunk <laughs> sounds like I caught something in a trench. You know, it's like there's there's two very different Pokemon there. I agree, and I want to stick with Crowagunk. Thank yeah. you.
0: I think Crowagunk, Crowagunk, is more fun to say. The more syllables you add, the more fun the word is, generally speaking. Exactly. And Toxic Croak, it's the same meter. Yeah, you're uh, right. The evolution I, to Toxic Croak does not flow as as well as Crowagunk to Toxic Croak. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Meter's very important in the Sinnoh region, okay? Yes. Look, look, here's the thing. I'm saying all this out loud. You, dear listener, might be hearing this and disagreeing, but I implore you to also say it out loud, and you will see that we're right. (laughs) Sorry, you'll hear that we're right. So the thing that's
1: important to know about Arceus is that (laughs) in... Other countries, it's essentially like if the god of Pokemon was named Asshole, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Pokemon Legends dickhead. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I get why they, for the English, I think in, in the Japanese pronunciation it is Arceus, but I think for the English localization, they went with Arceus to avoid arse
0: being part of God's name. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. It's upsetting, I think. <laughs> but, uh, i think it's great i know uh, we look we don't have to relitigate this we talked about it last week it's like a gif jif thing whatever here's what's important yes two things one is unrelated Number one. I miss uh Chrono Trigger. <laughs> just I just wanted to say that out loud because I've been thinking it for a long time. <laughs> I am still humming songs from Chrono Trigger all the time, and I really want to replay it. And I know that if I started replaying it right now, I would not finish it. So I just want to get that That's out of That's my the way. entire life. I'm yes. glad we're on the same level of existence. I'm also yeah. like now, I guess, cursed in that way. Or blessed either way. Yeah. Number two. It's both. I've actually finished Pokemon Legends Arceus since we last recorded. <laughs> which is funny. So we asked for a bunch uh, of questions for this episode because like to be be clear, dear listener, I thought that I was only going to be able to come to this episode with Pokemon Legends because that's literally the only thing I've been playing. I have tried playing many other things and uh, just like I haven't felt the pull into any of the things that I've tried because Pokemon Legends has just been pulling me in over and over and over again until the other night when I finished it at like one in the morning because I just like couldn't put it down until it was done. But anyway, I I did a call for questions because I was like, we're going to need to (laughs) pad this episode out with something to be totally clear. Uh, And one of the questions from god tier fix was how are you finding pokemon legends now it's been out for a week i'm finding it completed uh it's <laughs> fine. it's finished it's, it's done done uh and it, it's great it's it's look i really enjoyed it and i can't wait to talk more about it how far in are you at this point
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm still not as far as you were last week oh really uh, i Well, no, I'm so I took your advice because I was kind of like being strung along the main quests and not doing like a ton of exploring. Yeah. So last week I was I had just got to the second area and Mm -hmm. I was like a two star trainer. But then I I went back to the first area, which I highly recommend doing because there's so much to see there and so many Pokemon to catch. I caught an Alpha Snorlax, caught an Alpha Cricketune. Nice. I found a baby clown in in the
0: trees. (laughs) Uh,
1: A lot of good stuff (laughs) happened. But I did that. And then I now I am in the third. Area, the Cobalt Sea or whatever. Yeah, the beach, the the Cobalt
0: Coastland. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I am about to be five or six stars. Nice. Great. So I'm like, I, I would say I'm like a little under halfway through, depending on like how much I adhere to the main quest. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it even more, honestly. I think that like once you kind of have the freedom to do whatever, because I, I I will say that in the beginning, like there is that kind of slow hour and like mm-hmm. you don't have total freedom yet. But once you do and once you can dictate whether you want to like stay in one area and just like keep exploring and keep catching Pokemon and keep like seeing what happens or going along the main quest at like, that level of agency is really nice and it really helps like i'll be in different moods or different things like there are some nights where i'm like i just want to like go to the first area again and try to catch like literally everything totally
0: and yes. like i've had the same pull yeah try to find
1: like a shiny alpha badoof or whatever <laughs> uh, and then there are other nights where i'm like you know what? i kind of just want to be strung along like let me just like see what happens next and again like it's it's still a pokemon game the story isn't super compelling but it's significantly more interesting at least conceptually than most other games in the series like there's there's at least stuff that i'm like oh i wonder what happens next which is a feeling i never have (laughs) in most
0: pokemon games i agree
1: because i know what happens next there's gonna be an end of the world plot and the team is gonna lose and i'm (laughs) gonna catch god and then fight the elite four yeah but it's it's been really like kind of getting its claws in me and that that loop is just ever present in the game like that's something that we kind of highlighted last week is like even though there are blemishes in the game's aesthetic and like not everything is on the same level just the core loop that you're playing it for is so much fun and it's actually kind of made it interesting i i just did a stream of my shining pearl nuzlocke earlier this morning and like going back and playing the remake of fourth gen and then mm. after playing arceus for so long it was really interesting to see like just how it felt to go back to an earlier style of pokemon and like what i like better and what i prefer about arceus yeah. and like ultimately they're just two drastically different things like a lot of people in the chat of the stream were asking me like how does it feel to go back to this and i'm like i almost don't even equate them because they're so different (laughs) you know like i feel like i the mood i'm in if i want to play a classic pokemon game versus arceus is similar to that of zelda where it's like when i want to play a top down zelda or like breath of the wild or a 3d zelda yeah it's a very different experience even though it's like the heart is the same.
0: Yeah, I think we actually talked about that in our Breath of the Wild episode, how like they're the classic top down Zeldas. There's the 3D Zeldas. And now there's Breath of the Wild is like this kind of almost like third tier of Zelda games. I wouldn't I wouldn't lump it in with like Ocarina and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do wonder if our and many other people's call that this new studio that made uh, Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond, if they just exist to like keep the lineage going and they're going to like, will they make? mainline normal quote-unquote like top-down pokemon games and then game freak proper will continue to make things like legends uh, and spin legends out into like the new thing and like eventually one will usurp the other i imagine i don't know what i'm a thing that i i kind of want to walk back from last week is how much i think i would be into the idea of taking the mechanics of arceus and putting them in a more like I would say, quote unquote, normal Pokemon story. I think that that would be interesting. I, I I wasn't very interested in it last week, and the more I've been playing through Arceus and just kind of like considering a lot of these mechanics, I think it would be actually kind of fun to go from town to town. Because one, one of the things that I think Arceus really nails, as we talked about a lot, is this idea of the village being a place that you can constantly return to and you feel very good, and you you actually watch it build up over time. Like, as you continue to, I was almost gonna say, take out like you're a fucking assassin lately <laughs> on the professional <laughs> over here. Um, As you continue to go and, like, quell these frenzied noble Pokemon that are, you know, essentially dangerous and shocking people with lightning and all this wild stuff. As you continue to make the place, the Hisui region, a safer place to live, Jubilife Village, like, gets more people. Like, more people start to come to Jubilife Village. It starts to build up and, like, new buildings will show up and you can, you know, change the the village in certain ways. As much as I enjoy that, I kind of do wish that I could travel around and see new interesting cities. You and I talked about this a little bit it last week as well but some of the other regions have like really strong art direction for the different villages you know like even ruby and sapphire for example how much can they really do with the tool set that they were given and and the limitations of the hardware and yet there are places like pacific log town and like that whole town that was built in the treetops things like that like it'd be cool to see that level of of ingenuity i think in a engine like this i i I think that'd be really really cool and just to travel between them and have those be the open areas like okay cool i'm in this town and like it could be a similar thing i'm in this town i go talk to a person like the gate guard it's like let me out into route x and route x is just the cobalt coastland kind of thing you know and you make your way to another another town or whatever like that that loop could still exist and I think that would be really fun
1: I agree and that's actually something that like playing Shining Pearl this morning I really 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 appreciate that Pokemon Legends took such a step away from convention that like yeah you know there are no gyms there are no there are largely like not as many trainer battles like b- battling is more part of the game than the focus. But I do kind of miss gyms. Like I do kind of, because the thing is, and and this is one critique I have of Arceus, is the noble beasts that you have to quell by rolling out of the way and throwing satchels at, (laughs) that's just like not fun. Like it's never fun. It's like- Dark souls without a sword. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, it's like you're doing so much natural exploring and battling and training and stealth in the environment. I wish the noble beasts put- one aspect of that to the test mm-hmm. as opposed to like here's a satchel you have to throw like it doesn't really mm-hmm. it's not utilizing what you do prior to those battles in any way
0: yeah it kind of reminds me of um the most recent paper mario that was kind of our big complaint about that game as well was the boss battles are like so interesting and they're the inverse of the normal battles that you find out in the world which are like tired and tedious and annoying to do at a certain point. Yeah, and it was like, oh wait, it's like
1: the reverse problem. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
0: It's like in, in Paper Mario, it's like, oh, wait, okay, you figured out how to make this combat system work and this like puzzle system work, and that's really great. But it sucks that we have to do a worse version of it more often. And this is kind of the exact opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it's again, it's not like they're not terrible, but it just it's definitely the weaker part of the game.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of them. I will say to you though, uh, the final noble beast is Awesome. Oh really? Yeah, that's I cool. I didn't enjoy most of them. Like the cleavor one that which is the first one was like fun and interesting. It was like wow, I can't believe this is the video game and then when I realized that that's how I was going to take out all the nobles, I was like, oh, I'm not so sure. I I didn't have a problem with any of them. I didn't like die on any of them, but I I didn't find them like fun and usually it was like more tense than it needed to be because it was like, oh, I'm about to die, but like I really don't want to do this again. That's kind of the thing. It's like in a Dark yeah. Souls boss for example, which is wild to compare these <laughs> two, but weirdly the game almost asked for it in a way. Yeah. But in a Dark Souls boss, for example, it's like you lose and you're like, cool, I've learned. I know how to get better. Like maybe I could actually go out and grind and like level myself up and get better gear, things like that, and then go back in and try again. And Pokemon, it's like literally just did you learn the patterns? For this boss fight. And that's it. That's all you get. It's just did you learn the patterns? And I I didn't find that super compelling. So I'm glad I didn't die on any of them. But I think if I had, I might have. I don't know. I don't think I would have put the game down. But it's possible. It's possible I would have put the game down for like a day. Be like, I don't want to go and do this Noble again
1: i do think like the gyms like you can still be creative within that structure because yeah. like sun and moon tried to sort of do away with them but they had the trials instead which like kind of worked i was like hit or miss on it
0: to be honest yeah. i enjoyed it but i also was under the impression that there were going to be gyms eventually right right <laughs> I was exactly like, i was like oh this is fun and then and then i'll do the gyms and then there were no gyms i was like oh okay <laughs> so that was it
1: <laughs> <laughs> then i'll do the gyms oh shit and then x and y or not x and y sword and shields they were like like this almost satire of gym battles but mm-hmm. it was really fun like i do think that's the success of that game is the gym leaders and their personalities and yes. like the league that's around it and even though gigantamax is very silly it does work in the stadium setting right you know where it's like all that things spectacle. have to be bigger and louder yeah. yeah but i think that like in the future like it could be as simple as like just move away from gyms being one type like mm-hmm. i would love to see a gym leader that like a lot of i've seen this a lot in like fan art like there are themes or or mm-hmm. like looser connections between what the teams are, not just like I'm the poison type, but I secretly have a flying type or something. Yeah, you know, it's like right. That's, we've done that like eight times, literally. Um, <laughs> or even like I think like. Again, like because there's such the solid loop, like incorporating that into some kind of challenge, like even just the mini games where you're like popping balloons on the back of a deer, mm-hmm. that is more engaging than the noble beast fights are. Because at mm-hmm. least that's like testing something that I do in the game, and not this like very
0: isolated thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you just do five times and it's over. Yeah. I
1: wonder if like the noble beasts would have been served by like not even being announced, or like maybe they're announced, but like they're off in the distance somewhere, and you have to like actually. Work your way to them kind of like uh the lionels in breath of the wild where, like you usually see them and you're like oh do i have what it takes to take this one yeah
0: i get what you're saying yes is yes i think you will find that some of the later ones will scratch that itch for you cool in, in terms cool. of like needing to work towards getting to them and i will also say on another front the game does put a heavier emphasis on battling further in which i am definitely iffy on Mm. because so much of the game seems to be just about like existing in the husui region and catching pokemon and filling out the pokedex and like raising your own pokemon and not so much on the battling unless you're using battles as a means to catch pokemon and the i would say last like quarter of the game is very battle focused and the post game also i've been surprised to find is also very battle focused it's worth mentioning because i had i didn't know this at all but the post game is like pretty rich there's a lot of stuff to do when the oh, game cool. is over i was even equating i was talking to my partner percy about it and i was equating it to uh animal crossing new horizons in a way like it kind of felt that way where it was like animal crossing new horizons you have this first like two to three weeks to a month where you're like setting up the island building it up to the point where like it becomes a, a hospitable place that people want to come and hang out in right and it, and it it all culminates in kk slider coming playing a concert on your island and then the credits roll and then when the credits are done rolling it's like cool now you just play animal crossing the way you always have like you had this experience that was like a whole video game unto itself a fun twist on animal crossing and now you get the thing that you've always loved and that's that's a really cool thing i really appreciate that about new horizons especially having just redone it recently (laughs) legends Arceus, weirdly has a similar feeling to me and i don't know if a lot of people are going to feel the same way but that's very much how i felt like once once you've quelled all the lords, you've done all the stuff, you've closed the space time rift that's hovering over the mountain in the distance that's been looming there the whole time. Once all that stuff is like cleared up, and I, I don't want to spoil like all the story reasons why all that stuff happens, but once all that's done, you're just kind of hanging out and they're like, well, you could keep doing the Pokedex thing if you want to. <laughs> Someone's gotta and my, do, I do it. My response to that was like, "Yeah, actually, it's cool that I just had like a story for like thirty to thirty-five hours. And when that's done, it's like, cool. Now that was a really good primer to now go out into the world and know how to engage with all these systems in a way that feels second nature. Like I've spent enough time doing all of this now that when I go out into the Obsidian Fieldlands, for example, I have very specific goals. I know exactly how to achieve them in a way I didn't when I started. And I think that that growth happens so naturally and so behind the scenes and so subconsciously that by the time the credits are done rolling you're like wow i actually like am an expert at this video game and i will finish the pokedex which is a cool feeling it's a really cool feeling and on top of that there's another character that gets introduced towards the end of the game who uh, seems to know more than they should for reasons and uh when um, the game is over you can go talk to them about some stuff and say like hey are there any like interesting legends about the history region that you've heard like now that we've done this like cool big bombastic experience where we've like quelled all these lords and stuff like what else is going on in the history regions or anything else it seems like it would be cool to like you know some interesting threads to pull on and they'll just give you a list of things it's just like well i you know i heard there's this big rock in the middle of this lake here that sounds interesting oh i heard that there's this big fucking door underneath this area that seems Interesting things like that, and and you just kind of go out into the world and engage with the stuff, like the leads that you've been given, which lead to bigger, more exciting things. And that kind of, I think, that feeling of going out and like checking out the big door and see, like, just standing in front of it, being like, I have no idea how to open this, but it's cool. This big fucking door is here. Really feels to me so much like what I've wanted Pokemon to feel like for a long time. The only game to me personally, and I and I know other people will feel differently about this, but the only games that felt this way to me were Ruby and Sapphire and I guess... Eventually, Emerald. Because there were things like you know Reggie Ice, Reggie Steel, and what was the other one? Reggie Rock, right? Reggie Rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Finding the finding those three, knowing like you know, figuring out eventually like I have to catch this specific Pokemon and have sixth in my party, and then dive in this one specific area so I can go to this door. The door is in Braille, and when you translate that, you learn how to open. Like things like that are so mysterious and so interesting. And like I, I think the world of Pokemon is such a cool kind of like that's like such a cool unexplored aspect of that as much as they keep trying to put legends on the box like legendary pokemon on the box art of every single release the legendaries never feel legendaries you and i talked about last week they never feel like exciting because you know you're going to make it there eventually they don't feel like interesting they're not even doing interesting stuff with them from a story perspective at this point so like having things buried away like the three reggies in pokemon ruby and sapphire like that as a kid playing those games for the first time was fucking exhilarating it was like i have cracked the code i am a pokemon master i am the greatest person <laughs> to have ever experienced the region that was like exhilarating having that mystery was so fulfilling and That's kind of just what they give you at the end of Arceus. It's like, you figured out one mystery. That's cool. That's great. Here's like six more that you have to, you will not have a story that will lead you there. You just have to figure them out on your own based on very, very limited clues. And that's been fun. That's been a really cool experience. That that feels to me the way I I wish Pokemon always felt. Yeah, I I think that that sentence he just said
1: kind of sums up the game yeah and, and everyone has a different version of that because pokemon the way it's been portrayed it does sort of require you to fill in the blanks in some ways especially mm-hmm. when like over half the games aren't even animating the combat like you really do have to like imagine what's happening yeah in a way that's fun like it, it worked as long as it did because that was successful yeah but everyone like you know once the technology exists like once it wasn't limited anymore it's very ironic because it's like pokemon red and blue and silver and gold especially arguably ruby sapphire are like too much for those consoles to handle you know it's like <laughs> they were they literally had to split the game in half because it was too much to fit on one game boy cartridge and then it was like the opposite once the ds rolled around it was like oh we're actually just gonna keep doing that yeah you know yeah and like it's great to have a style and i think sometimes the best style originates from limitation but um I think that limitation of presentation that it has to be like again as evidenced by Arceus it doesn't have to be this like luxurious 4K world but it just has to feel lived in and yeah. that's what Arceus very much does it feels alive and even just like the difference of Shining Pearl going into a nameless patch of grass and running into Bidoof for the 80th time <laughs> versus Arceus like seeing a field of Bidoof's and being like I want to go somewhere else or or even just like no shade on Bidoof I love Bidoof but like the act of being like okay I know what Pokemon tend to gather here
0: mm-hmm.
1: but like who else is here like finding an Eevee in the field of, of Badoof was yeah. like thrilling yes. uh, and they kind of look similar So like, I I literally did like a double take I was like is that is that fucking Eevee in the Badoof yes. field I thought, this, I thought this area was a joke and then like my mission was to catch Eevee and, and that trial of like them escaping the Pokeball and running away and you like trying to run after them before they escape mm-hmm. that's what the safaris zone and red and blue was like going for through text totally that we're now finally experiencing <laughs> yeah as a game like to its credit like uh in my shining pearl stream like i was in Badoof grass and then chancy appeared and i was like oh my god like i do think there is still majesty in like not seeing anything and not knowing <laughs> anything and yeah. then just suddenly finding a chancy but i think just the just the act of catching Pokemon, the thrill of like discovery and the stress of whether or not it's a, it's going to catch them, mm-hmm. that is like, it feels like this is the best execution of that idea. And that's something that I think like, alongside battles and other aspects has been like an element of Pokemon, but this game kind of almost is in orbit of that idea. Like, right. I feel like the the emphasis on like actually catching them all and actually doing research for the Pokedex is so effective. And that's like, as much as I do like the battles, and I said earlier that I would like, like to see more of them, and I'm glad to hear there are more later on, I do think the game succeeds the most at the other aspects.
0: Yeah, I think until towards the end when they start to focus on battling more, it almost kind of like snaps you out of this lulled you've been in for so long that's like this game is about research this game is about filling out the pokedex suddenly it's like oh shit no all of those skills that i have been accumulating since 1997 like really (laughs) need to come back into play here (laughs) um because the game does get difficult and that's that's actually a warning i want to give you and and the listeners i'm glad to hear that you're spending more time like doing research and kind of not mainlining the story because if you were to mainline the story you will run up against roadblocks where the game will be way too hard because i think the game is the the difficulty level or the diff difficulty curve of this game is set with the assumption that you're gonna spend a lot of time not focusing on story beats and a lot of time focusing yeah. on just like the core loop of filling out the Pokedex and leveling your stuff up and like hunting for alphas and things like that. Because like, for example, if I hadn't caught the Alpha Alakazam that's hanging out in the Obsidian Field Lands, I don't know if I would have been able to finish the game when I did. That Alakazam catching that at the level that it's at when you catch it, was like a huge boon for my team that i needed to carry me forward in like the fourth and fifth area specifically and uh the game only has a stronger focus on that going forward and, and the battles that you start to get into get like harder and harder and harder and i've heard some stuff about one of the uh post-game quests that is like a multi-phase super difficult almost like jrpg style boss fight like a oh, cro- wow. like a chrono trigger kind of thing and i am fascinated by that idea and i I can't wait to see it for myself and I have no idea how to even get there, which is also kind of exciting in its own right. So there's like a, there's a lot going on in this game. The mystery is there for the first time in a long time. Yeah, you know? exactly. That really is, I think,
1: the secret ingredient to why this game is doing so well.
0: But that having been said, I, I, I think just like I, to look back on the entire experience holistically, I think this game is triumphant, <laughs> if I'm if I'm being totally honest, I, I have my gripes. Here and there, that I could like focus on and harp on if I wanted to, but. The more I played the game, the less I cared about the things I didn't like, if that makes sense, because I was having so much fun. I was so into what they were going for. And I'm so into the fact that they took this chance and that it paid off more often than it didn't. That at the end of the day, like the the things that I didn't like just kind of melted into the background in a way. And I love that. I mean, it's like I, I think I tweeted this last week with the release of last week's episode, but like it's a flawed game that I really deeply love. And I, I just kind of don't care about what's bad about it anymore because I've played so much of it and I appreciate what they've done uh, specifically some of the end game I'm really trying to like dance around some things but uh, <laughs> the, the way the way the game wraps up I think is like absolutely wild and I think you're gonna love and the stuff that's happening in the wait. post game has kept me continuing to play it which is wild because like I just remember finishing up Chrono Trigger for that bonus and being like cool I can play other things now like now that this is done like I can go out and do other stuff And it was like kind of liberating to be able to go and play other things because sometimes we do a bonus episode and it's like, that's all encompassing. That's all we think about. It's all we do for a long time. And although I do still miss Chrono Trigger and I wish I could go play it again, it was nice to be able to play other things. And it was wild to finish Pokemon Arceus and wake up the, like, at one in the morning and wake up the next morning and immediately turn on Arceus again and continue playing it. Like that's, <laughs> that's where I've been at. And for the past couple days since I've beaten it, I still just want to play that game. And it's been kind of hard to get into playing other things. I have been playing other things, but it's been difficult to... Motivate myself to do it when I feel like I have all this unfinished actual work to do in RCS in a sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm really glad it stayed, like, your enthusiasm kind of stayed throughout the whole experience and seems to have only grown, really, which is kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. I got into these, like, little rituals for myself, too, which had been fun. Like, I, anytime I unlocked a new area, I would immediately go to um, the person who sells clothes and I would buy a whole new outfit for myself for whatever the new area was. And I would go to the photo studio and I would take a picture with, like, my favorite Pokemon I caught in the previous area. And, like, I have all of these self portraits essentially or all these portraits essentially one for each of the areas in the game which is really cool and i thought that was really fun yeah um I, uh, found myself doing this thing where anytime I unlocked a new area, I would go and play the story until I unlocked whatever the like rideable Pokemon is in that area. So I could like explore it in new ways. And then I would stream just the exploration, which was really fun. So I have videos on our YouTube that you can go watch of me exploring every area in the game, just unlocking every bit of it. Uh, and just like seeing all the named zones and seeing every, with everything there is to see, seeing what Pokemon exists there, catching as many as I possibly can for like, one to two hours uh and then turning all this pokemon in and watching all the cash roll in and like upgrading to the next star level and then i would stop the stream and then do the story for that area like though that ritual was really fun and finding all of these ways that i found myself immersing in the hisui region was like i think just And I would say an intended side effect of a lot of these systems working well in tandem with one another. The fact that I am constantly, like, before I go to sleep, thinking about the next area I want to go revisit and what I want to do when I go there just speaks volumes to how successful this game is at doing what it set out to do. I could go on forever. I really love this game. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind this is going to be a goatee contender for me. Like, I don't even know. I don't even really care what's coming out for the rest of the year. Like... (laughs) i know this will be in the top 10 somewhere i think it's it's very unlikely that this won't be in the top five for me
1: i think so for me too i think i have to get further in before i know and obviously it's still so early in the year but regardless of like that specific list it's a great game and it's also like it's such a promising step for a series we both have kind of been rooting for for a long time it's weird to say rooting for because it's fucking pokemon it's like the it's doing there's a there's no danger for this series to like go under but the feeling (laughs) i keep getting when i play arceus and i and i don't know i don't this might come off as like a backhanded compliment but whenever i'm playing this game unconsciously lizard brain part of my mind it doesn't feel like a new game if it was like i found this like legendary ps2 game (laughs) that everyone is like pokemon should be like this but it is pokemon yeah you know what i mean i do know i know exactly what you mean yeah i'm almost so conditioned for pokemon not taking chances that when i'm actually playing a game where they are i think it's something else yeah and
0: that that gets back to a thing that we talked about last week about like I would say the the not so strong opening hour or two hours. Yeah. I've heard that refrain a lot, and you and I even said that is like honestly, the intro to this game like isn't very strong, like outside of the absolutely incredible story choices they make right at the top.
1: It's at least bizarre. Like it's shockingly weird until suddenly the game is fun.
0: It's shockingly weird for like the first like I would say 30 minutes, and then there's about an hour and a half of like kind of weak story, kind of like weak everything for a little bit while you're like getting your bearings and just kind of getting into the world like until you can start to ride pokemon and unlock the second area and you do the first big lord fight things like that it's like kind of just okay but because it's pokemon and because it's so Absolutely incredible to be playing a Pokemon game that is actually taking a chance. I think for at least you and I did not even clock that the beginning of the game was maybe not as strong as it could have been until I was like three or four hours in. I was like, wow, the game got really good suddenly. And and that realization that the game got really good was also the realization that the game maybe wasn't really good for a little bit. Yeah. It's weirdly just like TNG where you have like two shockingly <laughs>
1: weird seasons yes. that are like not great. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, this show's actually good. You get suddenly. to the Cobalt
0: Coastlands and suddenly Riker grows the beard.
1: <laughs> I do really like the two teams. I, I think that they're fun. And like, uh, like, I don't really, truth be told, I don't fully understand what's happening like i feel like i'm a little i feel like i'm a kid playing an rpg like I don't, i'm not fully digesting what's being said or what what's at stake but i i just enjoy what's going on on a surface level if that makes any sense
0: We so okay i like the two teams the the diamond and pearl clans I yeah think, i think they're both really fun really interesting the way they play off each other is really interesting especially yes. when you talk to um the wardens for the nobles of each of the each of the clans like because because the clans look over different nobles in different areas and like that rivalry between wardens is really fun like you'll see a lot of fun interplay between a lot of those characters but like overall the writing is like fine and the story is like fine i think you're right in saying it's better than any pokemon story which is notable by itself the fact that they're like finally telling a story that's even remotely interesting and has like there is actually a moment where i just like put the controller down it's like holy shit i can't believe this game is actually making this decision from a story beat perspective but overall it's like pretty much just okay that having been said every once in a while there are like lines of dialogue just like a line that one person will say that's like what game is this for like i want to play that game (laughs) like give me give me a whole (laughs) game of writing on that level just like oh yeah the the leader of the of the pearl clan just said an actually really really like shockingly like beautiful thing about the meaning of life and that's great i want more of that but usually it's just like. I think space is good. I think time is good. We should fight about it. And that's yeah.
1: like most of the game. I do like that the game is largely about like the relationship between Pokemon and people and the tensions that are there yeah. and like trying to heal that at the same time, these tensions between different factions and like the different approaches. Like it is it is exploring the ideas that are kind of brought up in black and white. And I think in a more meaningful way, because yeah. it actually is like integrated within the gameplay as well. You know. Yeah. Also, my Cyndaquil has evolved to its <laughs> final form. I did not know that each of the starters had
0: like a hisuian final form yeah that was apparently i also didn't know that that was in all the marketing though i went back and i was like i checked it out and like yeah that is like that was very much in all the marketing but i think you and i because we didn't really want to like tune into a lot of the marketing cycle for this game just like totally missed that so when when my rowlet eventually evolved into like fucking cool grass fighting type for some reason blew my mind totally blew my mind
1: i was shocked typhlosion in this game is fire and ghost type which yeah. is like maybe my favorite like do du- like Ugh. i think the only other pokemon that is ghost and fire is like maybe a legendary and then chandelure chandelure is i was favorites. just about to say yeah yeah i really oh, is, is litwick in this game i was just about to say litwick is one of them too right yeah Well, litwick is the candle that evolves oh into, into chandelure. chandelure you're right you're right no litwick is not yeah. in this game god damn it zero out of ten i want my money back you ruined my childhood yeah screaming at change
0: i will say that uh my top three favorite Pokemon are all in this game. And I was very surprised by that. I have Haunter in here, which is really wonderful. I have Drifloon in here, which is really wonderful. And I have Sneasel in here. And not only do I have Sneasel, Uh there's Hisuian Sneasel. And there's also a way to get standard Sneasel that i don't want to spoil
1: i honestly really like when they have regional changes to the pokemon you know if you can't think of a good design just like change this one a little bit it's usually like more interesting than like yeah here's a hat
0: <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> the hat's got but, eyes the hat's a grass type <laughs> yeah the
1: hat's got eyes the hat's a bug type um I really love the look of Ghostfire Typhlosion because they kind of look like an anime villain. They have this like mantle of Mm -hmm. fire. Yeah. Everyone on my team looks very relaxed. I have to say. Everyone like (laughs) between Croagunk and Typhlosion and. uh, Are
0: you not letting Croagunk evolve? Oh, they, they did evolve to Toxicroak. Uh, so there's okay. a little
1: bit more of an energy there. But yeah. Toxicroak just looks like Crow Gunk like buffing themselves up. Like they like took a deep breath. And yeah. like, so to me, they're one and the same. But uh but yeah, it, I I really like how my team is shaping up and I'm excited to play more. I'm happy one of us finished it because I was like somehow like nervous that it was gonna like just get really bad at some point,
0: and I'm glad <laughs> it just doesn't do that. <laughs> no, I, I'll I'll say this much. I think of all of the zones, the fifth and last area is by far the weakest and If you go and watch my video on that, you'll hear me say as much like while I'm (laughs) recording it. The the big problem to me is I I think as you get further in, like areas one, two and three where you are right now, I think every time you go there, it's like this is pretty wildly different, right? You have the obsidian field lands, like very classic, like open pasture, very like hilly. It's it's a cool area. There's like a nice river going through it. Things like that. Second area is the what's it called? The crimson marshlands, I think. Yeah. And it's like swamps and mountains, swamps, bogs, lava. Yeah. Yeah, lava, things like that cool it's a cool zone and because it's so wildly different from the obsidian Fieldlands, very different pokemon live there which is cool then yes. you go to the cobalt coastlands and that is like mostly ocean like that is like you get the the rideable fish and you zoom around uh and you're catching a lot of water types things like that so that also feels very different the fourth and fifth areas are i would say the the least different uh and because mm. of that you see a lot of the same pokemon you have already seen in the first three areas start to repeat themselves which feels like correct from a nature perspective there are squirrels in a lot of places on this planet you know like (laughs) the same would be true of apoms for example so in that regard i don't really mind it but it does kind of cut the edge off of like I've unlocked a new area and I can't wait to see what's here when you turn a corner and for like a whole mile is just the same Pokemon you saw two areas ago, for example. Yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer. But outside of that, like I, again, didn't really mind because the further into the game I got, the less time I spent exploring, the more time I spent focusing on the story. Um, And now that I'm sure. done with the story, it's like now I can really go kind of like settle myself into these areas um, and, and pick out the nooks and crannies of them, Um, which just to be clear, there are some really interesting things things going on in some of these areas specifically i i have found in three of the areas so far there is like a very hidden alcove that you can find if you're like really really like combing through these zones where starters from other generations are available which is very cool so like i I don't want to say who i found but i found starters from multiple generations just kind of like in the nooks and crannies of the world which is great that's so cool i also think if if i am understanding and reading the map correctly there seems to be a whole other unexplored area that is not accessible currently, which makes me think there's going to be like a big DLC pack eventually, uh, which I am very much in favor of like giving us, one extra zone and probably a bunch of extra features and story stuff sounds great to me
1: yeah i wonder if they'll take the approach they did with sword and shield where like the expansions were just dlc there wasn't like a yeah you
0: know very rcs version or something <laughs> oh my God, uh, yeah. it was just <laughs> i i would bet i mean we now have a game freak and pokemon company that is pretty well established in terms of making dlc it seems like especially after sword and shield i think uh, from what i have heard i actually it's funny because i own it and i haven't really engaged with it at all but like i've heard that the dlc for sword and shield was actually really great and maybe even like the best part of those games eventually for more like hardcore pokemon players they seem to really enjoy the, the new wild areas that they developed there are a bunch of new features there's like raids and stuff which is cool that all sounds really interesting and and for a game freak that is like comfortable developing stuff like that i'm interested to see what they end up appending to this game
1: yeah, the raids were weirdly one of the things I enjoyed the most in Sword and Shield, which was mm. something I didn't know I wanted like at all. <laughs> like the idea of like yeah. fighting a big Snorlax with three other people like didn't appeal to me, but it was like that kept me playing that game longer than I would have otherwise. Mm. So I think that's the one big thing is like whatever follows Arceus, is like there should be a multiplayer part of it. I think I think that would be re- like it'd be hard to do, but I think that that would really be like the next step for this type of Pokemon game.
0: Yeah, I didn't even realize. So th- there's the. Death Stranding stuff that I talked about last week, the ability to go find lost satchels and return them, things like that, which is cool because you accumulate these points that you can use to buy evolutionary items for your Pokemon, which I think is really fun. And that feels super rewarding to be like, I have gotten enough lost satchels that now my Porygon can become a Porygon 2 is very cool. But uh outside of that they also have the ability to trade pokemon like you could just like link up with somebody else either in person oh that's good or over the internet and you can trade pokemon with somebody else which i didn't realize it involves like friend codes and shit again which is so funny but that is in there but not the ability to battle uh but i i agree with you i think like adding any kind of multiplayer element
1: yeah just maybe like make a zone that's specifically multiplayer kind of like the wild area but like you know, that way it's like you're not seeing second life blips of trainers everywhere in the game. Right. Like you can have, OK, this is like the tournament area or something like that.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I just I just literally want multiplayer feature parity with like Sword and Shield, at least, you know, like give me that level of interactivity with other people. As much as I appreciate that this game is so focused on a single player experience, I do wish there was more interaction between people. That'd be fun.
1: I'm really curious now. Sort of, you know, with the history of the Pokemon remix and them having caught up to fourth generation with the remix, I'm like, if they ever wanted to remake Black and White or after would that mean like here's black and white but in the style of Arceus? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm very, I don't know if I necessarily want that, but I'm very curious like what they're going to do with this model. Like in general, like whatever the sequel is, whatever the DLC is, whatever they want to do with it, like that that speaks to the success of the blueprint, you know, that, that I'm having these thoughts. I think
0: so too. Yeah, I've, I've been really going back and forth on that in my mind as, as I was even mentioning earlier, but like I I would be interested in the idea of black and white and black and white tube remade in this way, but I also am interested in other like the historical context of other regions that we've already explored yeah like kanto and johto not so much they they are kind of i I think the most like lackluster in terms of having their own like really like strong identifiers like johto has those towers and some nice forests
1: johto is more of like a like a mindset it's like a very like (laughs) we talked a lot about that in our crystal bonus but like that game as you said, was developed in a vacuum because it was before Pokemon like blew up. So the game is like uncharacteristically subdued. Even in the plot, there really isn't anything at stake. (laughs) It's like the only game where you're just like a kid who is Listens like to going through the, the radio league.
0: and rides the train.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Like yeah. even scene rocket is like not really fully together. They're just like trying to pull a scam in like one town.
0: Yeah. So like Kanto and Johto, I'm not really sure. Cause they don't really have like very identifiable qualities outside of like maybe Cinnabar Island and Kanto, whatever, but areas like, the Hoenn region from Ruby and Sapphire or like revisiting the Alolan region or honestly, even um, I forget the name of the region from Sword and Shield. But like that area seems to have a very rich history. And you explore some of that in Galar, sort of, Galar. The Galar region. Yes, you explore some of that. In Sword and Shield, but it seems like there's like this rich kind of like almost like medieval fantasy vibe that was going on at some point. Yes, in the history of the Galar region, like how cool would oh it be? Oh my
1: god, medieval Pokemon! Is yeah, that what you're suggesting? that's what I'm saying.
0: Like there, yes. are, there are all these very interesting tidbits of information that we've picked up in a lot of these other games that I I think like if you were gonna make a sequel to Arceus, it makes the most sense to me to do this kind of like background experiential kind of exploration of all these other regions that we are already we think intimately familiar with but like hey but what about this what about this what about this like the experience i don't want to say much about it but like obviously in this game you end up at spear pillar and like the experience at spear pillar is very interesting i think you'll have a, a stronger emotional connection to spear pillar by the time you're done with legends arceus ...than you ever would have, say, playing uh, Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum or the Remix. And I would love to have that experience with regions that I'm, like, not as attached to. Like the Alolan region, for example, I thought was very pretty, but at the end of the day, like, that's not my favorite game. But doing a Legends Arceus-style visitation to the Alolan region sounds fucking cool. Like make all of the different exploration zones, the different islands of the Alolan region. That's a whole fucking video game that I would love to play. Um, do the medieval gala region, things like that. I mean that it just seems like a no brainer, but there is also this like nagging thought that's like, but what if you remade Pokemon black with this mechanic tool set? It all sounds yeah. very interesting. I mean,
1: it would be interesting. Like, I would I would love to see like a more setting centric Pokemon Legends game about the other settings you just mentioned. But the idea of like just having like a modern kind of New York City inspired game with Legends is also very interesting. I know. To me. It's all enticing. All all we're saying is like have fun with the setting. Like it can literally be anything. Yeah. You know, as long as this loop is there, you can really have more fun with it. So all exciting stuff. Space. Do you, Brendan, <laughs> want to take a break? talk even more about another Pokemon game, and then do questions? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, later. Bye. See you at Spear Pillar, nerd. Ow! One day my Badoof's gonna get big, and he's gonna kick your ass. I still haven't found the big Buizel. Oh, the... uh... Yeah, that shoots water
0: out of its ass. Yeah, the, yeah, there's there's the one guy, there's the gate guard who wants a big buizel that's over two feet and eight inches, and I have not found one yet. Still,
1: I, I I showed him like six buizels, and he's like, "Not big enough." I'm like, "Dude, everyone here is like getting used to the idea of Pokemon in general. Why are you so picky?" And you, about and you need a really big one. Yeah yeah, maybe he needs an alpha.
0: There is an alpha weasel. I know where it is, and I um every time I load into the obsidian fieldlands, which is where it is, I, I keep uh, it keeps not spawning, which bums me out. Uh, I see. but uh, you can just catch a normal big weasel that's over two eight, but uh, it's apparently very <laughs> difficult. Normal big weasel. Hello, we're back. We have a question from at Press Start Pod on Twitter. Do you like any of the Pokemon spinoff games? They ask. (laughs) Which I thought was a great lead-in to (laughs) to, uh, what we're talking about this week, which is uh, a video game (laughs) that is set in the past of the Pokemon world, ostensibly. Steven, what are we talking about? We're talking about Pokemon
1: Conquest. It came out in uh, 2012 (laughs) for the Nintendo DS. I played this game. Is that uh, late for the DS? It must have been. Yeah, because... 3DS came out like a year later actually no 3DS is already out yeah so this was like a very late DS game probably why I've never heard of it before yeah but as I've said many times our season five premiere in June or July is going to be all about the DS kind of like our Game Boy Advance episode that led us into season four and I've been slowly throughout the year because I don't want it to be all at once I want to slowly go through the library check things out Write down the games that I really want to put like a lot of time into and the ones that I'm like, this is fun, but I can kind of move on. You know, I, I do that slowly over the course of the year mm-hmm. and Pokemon Conquest is on my list because I'm just like, what exactly is this? I'm very excited. Um, in terms of the general question of like Pokemon spinoffs, I do actually enjoy quite a bit. I really loved Pokemon Snap, obviously, back in the day. N64, And I really liked the new Pokemon Snap as well. That was a pleasant surprise from last year. The other game that I would say is like shockingly good is the Pokemon trading card game on Game Boy Color. Yeah. That game is like almost as good as Pokemon Red and Blue. Like it's like right on the cusp of being like essentially a Pokemon game, but it's just cards instead. Yeah. That game was weirdly good. Music in that game is really good. It's shocking. <laughs> it had the black cartridge too, which was sick. Yeah. Pokemon Pinball, also great. So there's a lot of good spin-offs. Pokemon uh, Pinball is uh, it's good. a good question great. to ask. But we're talking about Pokemon Conquest today, which was developed by Tecmo Koei, I believe. Yeah. So it wasn't Game Freak. This is a non-Game Freak pokemon game in 2012 on the ds already strange and it's like you said set in the past kind of like a fantasy feudal japan you know samurai. Yeah,
0: can i can i read the can i read the paragraph that they have on uh backlogged for this please game please do pokemon conquest is a strategy game set in the ransei region you play as a warlord of the primus kingdom one of the 17 kingdoms in the ransei region you are charged with the task of battling against a wide variety of powerful opponents including the mighty nobunaga whose goal is to destroy the Rance region. The seventeen kingdoms possess a variety of armies competing for control. The seventeen kingdoms are also deeply linked to a specific Pokemon type. Primus Kingdom, for example, has a strong connection with normal type Pokemon. So that's
1: that's what we're dealing with here. It is wild. It's <laughs> real. Like, I can't believe no one like maybe they did and I just missed it. But like I've literally seen zero discussion about this game. Yeah, and it is. It feels like someone's very specific wish for what Pokemon should be. Yes, <laughs> like
0: came true. In it, a yes, bubble, it, and then, it feels like somebody did yeah. find that they like met a, a strange deity that granted them one wish, and this was for some reason the thing that they wished for. We were talking about this earlier, and and the way I described it was it feels like an accident, like it feels like someone. <laughs> tripped and fell and this game came out it is so strange i actually really enjoy it though so essentially
1: (laughs) i'm very i'm really surprised my elevator pitch is that it's very similar to final fantasy tactics but with pokemon so the way it works is you have kind of an isometric grid like level and every trainer or warrior i believe is what they're Mm -hmm. called in the game uh every warrior is tied to one pokemon So that Pokemon has like, you know, space, a radius of grids they can move to in one turn and they have an attack and some type of passive ability. So for example, the Eevee that the main character starts with has an ability Uh, that whenever they knock out a Pokemon, they get to go again, which is a really good (laughs) ability. I also love that Eevee is like the star of this game. Very cool. This is the original Let's Go Eevee. But uh, (laughs) the warrior also has like their own stats. So like there are warriors that will have an affinity towards certain elemental types and the warrior will have an ability as well. So the main character's ability, at least in my game, allows the Pokemon to move farther. So like doubles the space they can move to and there's a supporting character who like is your first ally who uses jigglypuff and her ability is to like heal the entire party right so just that like idea that concept of like okay every pokemon is like their own final fantasy tactics character with their own ability and then the trainer is also like tied to them in that way and has their own ability like, that is very cool and that is actually the thing that like carries the game. Like the just the conceit of the game is very interesting and ends up working very well. And the way it implements like what you know about Pokemon. So okay, there's the elemental system at play some of the levels will be like a lava level where there are these like spots on the map that will burst fire, The fire Pokemon can pass through them or mm-hmm. walk through the lava with no worry. And the Charmander that I have on my team can cast Ember from like a space away. So there's like different attack patterns. And the one thing I'll say is that it's like shockingly dense. Because At first, like in the first like hour or so I played of it, I was like, this feels like a really good intro to tactics through the lens of Pokemon. Like this feels like, I know where this is going and I totally agree yes yeah for a kid who wants to play like advanced wars or Or like fire emblem or something Yeah. Or Fire Emblem even. Yeah. But the minute the tutorial is done, the game just throws you to the wolves. And it's like, it becomes like a war game that like, you know, board game enthusiasts from the 70s stand by. Where it's like, wait, what do I do? Like,
0: where do I go? There's this whole world map with all of these different towns and like, and, and uh, castles that you have to take over. And when you take over the castles, it's not just like, oh cool, I did that level and now I move on to the next thing. Like in a Fire Emblem, for example. Instead, you then have like a town management sim that happens alongside that. So each of the places you eventually conquer, Pokemon Conquest. You then have to manage all of those places and there are like vendors who are selling items and you have to like befriend the vendors and like manage your relationship with the vendors. All of this wild stuff, like I feel like every 15 minutes they're just introducing a new mechanic and making the game even more dense than it was before, which I am just so shocked by. It's kind of what I mean. Like the game just feels like an accident. Like it just feels like no one should have okayed this and it, (laughs) it does work. To be clear, like I think it actually is really compelling, and the reason that I had heard about this game at all was we announced the Nintendo DS bonus episode for the next season, and a couple people, more than one person, had been like, if you want to play something that is like deep undercover, check out Pokemon Conquest because it's really weird and you might like it, and the answer is yes. I think both of us like it a lot. It is like... Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Super bizarre. And
1: I like... I like the idea of like when you conquer a kingdom, you choose like who your ally is going to be and you'll see like the trainer stats and the Pokemon they use. And there is this kind of like strange feeling. I'm like, how, so are we actually like, conquering the place or is this like trainer battles it's it is conveniently mm-hmm. not clear how much of a, a war crime we're actually committing yeah. when we yeah. conquer a kingdom uh everyone <laughs> seems to be like oh cool you're pretty strong yeah i'll join your team like the tone is still light but the the word choice is like wait a minute <laughs> hold yeah. on let's yeah. march conquer i wonder if this game is like kind of a reskin of like another like tactics war game
0: you know oh, like if, koei tecmo was working on another thing and eventually they got the pokemon license they were like we could just put pokemon in this
1: exactly i mean kind of like uh you know pokemon unite is like in many ways like a dota or league of legends like i wonder if you know i mean but honestly like regardless of where it came from like i do think it's done very well and i would honestly love to see a follow-up to this i would really love to see like a tactics offshoot of pokemon because it. i mean like there's a huge space for this type of game that is kind of shockingly underutilized i mean project triangle strategy is like the one big like tactics game I can think of that's coming I mean fire emblem's still around but like yeah it's like kind of its own thing in a way like th- this game does feel very almost one-to-one with like final fantasy tactics advance and project triangle like the way the characters like choose a direction to attack and the Focus on verticality, like all of that is very similar, and I would love to see more games like this because I think there's a lot to do with them, and it feels like they had a very specific era that might have just ended in 2012 when this (laughs) game came out. Uh, yeah, please correct me if I'm wrong. If you know of like more modern games like this, I would love to know, and I'm sure I am wrong, I'm sure there are plenty that I just haven't discovered. But at least in the spotlight, I haven't seen many, mm, you know. Mm. And it's always it's it's always kind of been a niche thing. Even when Final Fantasy Tactics came out, like that was not on the same level as like FF Seven coming out. But it is a very beloved niche following for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, and man, I just can't believe this game exists. <laughs> I'm having a hard time talking about anything that's happening in this game mechanically outside of just like, isn't it wild that Pokemon Conquest is a video game? Seeing Jigglypuff just like
1: repeatedly slap like a, a Charmander until it passes out and then I put a flag in the spot of the fallen <laughs> Pokemon is not nightmarish, but it's dream like in a way that isn't surreal. It just feels yeah. like it shouldn't exist.
0: Yeah. It definitely helps that my the first hour of this game I played was like at midnight. It was like... <laughs> It's like a new moon, you know, just one cloud in the
1: sky. Again though, like, it is fun. I like I'm going to keep playing. I don't know like I don't know if i trust that
0: I'm going to like see it through or that like
1: Steven. the loop will keep me there.
0: What's up? This game's story is like 40 hours long and the whole game is about 100 hours long.
1: <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm not confident that I will see it through, but <laughs> I'm really glad I checked it out and I'm enjoying what I've played of it or I have enjoyed what I've played of it, so yeah. <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> Conquest. Pokemon Conquest on Nintendo DS. Are you playing anything else at the moment? Um, not too much. I, I've been a little bit uh, inactive uh, game-wise this past week, other than uh, I, I did play more RCS, obviously. I did stream a little bit of Chrono Cross the other day because I wanted to test out. I just got a, uh AV to HDMI converter or adapter, and I wanted to see if that would work for streaming. So I connected it to my PS2 and put in the disc one of the two ps1 chrono cross discs Uh, it is a (laughs) multi-disc game and it worked like pretty well like everyone on stream was like this looks shockingly good I mean Chrono Cross is like a really magnificent looking game even still yeah it's like one of the few games in the PS1 that has aged really gracefully I think a lot of that is like by the time that console ended a lot of games had really figured out how to use the pre-rendered backgrounds well like Vagrant Story FF9 FF9 is like also a very shockingly good looking game for PS1 And Mm -hmm. it's around the same time as Chrono Cross. But I streamed, like, the first 90 minutes of that game. It's on our YouTube as well. Because I wanted to play it again for many reasons. But I haven't played Chrono Cross in a while. I brought it up on the show before, like, very early on in passing. But I wanted to play it, like, shortly after I had finished Chrono Trigger to kind of, like, get that experience most people had. (laughs) Where they played it. Well, (laughs) it came out years later. But, you know, I wanted to do them back-to-back. I know what you mean. And I was kind of amazed at, like, how quickly I was pulled in like Chrono Cross I want to talk about more meaningfully with you once you've played it and I imagine that may be bonus material one day depending on a number of things I don't want to set it in stone quite yet but regardless I do want to talk about it again with you once you've made time for it. But even just in the first hour or so, like it's kind of shocking. I mean, I knew I know that game has an amazing soundtrack, but I forgot how good it looked and how fun it is immediately and how gripping the just dialogue is in passing. Yeah. Like it's one of those games where, like, you and I always love talking to random townspeople, usually just for the non sequiturs. Mm-hmm. And this game feels like Masato Keito was like what if every character in this world had like something really heavy going on <laughs> or was thinking about something heavy and they just shared that with you like regardless of whether you wanted it or not um, and yeah. it's 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 a messy game like there are things that aren't great about it you know th- there are things to critique and, and they even kind of came up as I was playing it but like mm-hmm. overall it still feels like such an ambitious game it still feels like one of a kind and I do think it's very much worthy of admiration even though it's kind of in the shadow of its predecessor
0: yeah i'll I'll say this having not played it but only watching your stream um i was immediately smitten by it i think it's great and i'm very excited to play it first of all second of all the vibe i got immediately and again i haven't played it at all but the vibe i got immediately watching you play it was somehow they had recaptured the thing that they captured in chrono trigger which is the game just feels timeless somehow like chrono trigger like still feels really good now miraculously even compared against the things that it's inspired as we talk a lot about in the bonus episode somehow chrono cross feels that way too it doesn't feel like a ps1 game watching it it really just feels like a game out of time which is very fitting for the subject matter obviously but um i was really impressed by how well they utilize that hardware visually obviously the the music is great and i don't know i'm just i'm just really excited to play it um i downloaded it on my playstation vita uh, and I'm I'm excited to play it. I'll probably play it there. Um unless my Iron Odin comes in in time. Uh, hopefully I should get that this month or maybe early next month in which case that would also be a great place to play it but um we'll see.
1: It is striking how like immediately different it is too, from Chrono Trigger which yeah. is I think why a lot of people were like kind of mixed on it upon launch. Yeah. It's so much more somber. Like it's so much more like kind of subdued and sad and yeah. like there are moments of triumph and of humor but like you know, Trigger begins this like festival and and has that like adventurous spirit throughout the whole thing. This, I compared it in some ways to Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask and Chrono Cross both feel like sequels that are these sort of moody introspective looks on themselves Mm. following like the quintessential hit in some ways that's more of like we'll talk about this more one day but i did play a little bit of it and i'm very excited to like with the experience of trigger and the amount of glowing things we had to say about it and the conversations we had about it i'm really curious to like more consciously figure out like what does cross mean to me now you know Mm, yeah for so long was the weird game i played when i was a kid and then it was the (laughs) game that i liked less than chrono trigger and now it's like i i actually do love this game and i often defend it and like what does it do like what, what is the thing i can say about it other than the amazing soundtrack that like really makes it feel like it's out of time and that it's one of a kind so yeah more
0: on that someday yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to play it myself. I think it's going to be a really interesting experience. Whether yeah, that's totally. a bonus or not, I don't know, but uh, we will at least probably be talking about it at some point. I've, I've been playing, uh, I, I've as I mentioned, I, I dipped into a lot of games. None of them really have um, latched themselves onto me, I would say, with the exception of Radiant Historia. Which I kind of like you with Chrono Trigger, I'm not like ready to talk about a whole lot because um, I'm still pretty early on and also I want you to have played a bunch of it too before we talk about it like properly. But I'm playing the 3DS version perfect chronology, I think is the subtitle of it's essentially just like not even a remake I mean it's kind of like a reskin of of the Nintendo DS version with some added story beats that you, can opt into or out of which I actually really appreciate it so I'm I've opted out of it so I can get the more Nintendo DS experience the big thing about the 3ds remake from what I understand is the voice acting exists in the 3ds version and I think you're gonna really 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 like this game first of all that's just I'm the, excited that's just the headline here is like I think you're gonna love this <laughs> steven um, will like this <laughs> yes I am also really liking it uh just to be clear but the voice acting is like essential and it, it kind of has hmm. made me start to question maybe a little peek behind the curtain but whatever it's made me question like how eligible playing perfect chronology is for the nintendo ds bonus because so much of my enjoyment stems from how great the voice acting is i've been really really pulled into like it's a very dialogue heavy game like very dialogue heavy i think just reading it might not have pulled me in the way the voice acting is. That having been said though, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on, like, mechanically in this game. First of all, I mean like from a story perspective, they're doing a kind of like chrono trigger adjacent uh time travel story, which is very interesting. The the way it works, I I don't think this is a spoiler because it's just like what the game is, but the way it works is instead of like in Chrono Trigger, where you can just kind of travel back and forth through time at will by going to these portals that exist in, in the world, you essentially can travel back and forth between fixed points in time, your own history specifically, like the protagonist, the player character. Oh, interesting. They make certain choices throughout the course of the game, throughout the course of the story that you may or may not know are like actual like pivotal moments in the overall history of the universe and you can if you make a wrong decision go into this area that allows you to go back in time to the part of the timeline where you made that decision you can change your decision and see how that plays out so you can continue to play out different uh versions of time over and over and over again and see like okay what happens if i make this decision that leads into this decision and i change that and this and this and this uh or pick different dialogue options things like that so it's like divine pulse but like more narrative Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like narrative yeah. or divine pulse, exactly. Yeah, and that has been really interesting. I mean that that I was like, it's a little high concept, it's a little heady, but I think it's working more than it's not. I mean, it's it's real credit to I think just like I would say probably the pre production elements of this game. If I had to guess, like I feel like a lot of that was probably like we have to map all this out before we can even start building it, and it really paid off. I mean, it it is very successful at that from a narrative perspective, and on top of that, I think the combat's really fun. Uh, I think you're going to really appreciate it. The way it works is essentially there's like this, there's this grid that the enemies are on. It's a three by three grid. So you have nine spaces and your attacks and your party's attacks are like standard attacks. That's just like, go and hit this person. Or alternatively, you can use a skill that will allow you to push them around that grid. So you can like, Essentially, play it like a puzzle game where you're optimizing your different skills to push the character or to push the enemies onto the same grid. So, like, okay, I push this enemy to the left, and then I use another person in my party to push that enemy down, and now they're occupying the same space as this other enemy. So my third party member is going to attack that space and hit both of them at once. Things like that. Oh, cool. So you can kind of optimize to like, oh, wow, I might be able to take out this entire encounter in just one round of of actions, which is really that fun. reminds
1: me of fell a little bit. There is a lot of focus on moving around and placement there totally
0: so very successful on that front as well and and i think that's the reason i will probably be engaging with the combat more than i would be skipping it as i usually do in games like this just because i I think that puzzle element specifically is going to be like well i know they designed this encounter to be, like, solved, quote-unquote. So I'll just, like, sit there and stare at it until I solve it. So that's also really fun. I think the thing that you're going to like about it more than anything else, and the thing that's really kind of um, sticking at the at the front of my brain whenever I'm playing it, the thing I'm always thinking about is this feels like a non-strategy version of Fire Emblem. Oh, interesting. Okay. There's something about the, like, overall story, vibe, character's tone of this game that feels so much to me like Fire Emblem Awakening, specifically. Mm. Like, that, that specific like style of fantasy world, Um, the, the way the characters interact. It's very much like there is this, faction and this faction and they are at war and you are on a side of that war and you're constantly kind of flipping back and forth between those sides and and the decisions you're making are impacting all of that and the way the voice acting kind of folds into that also feels very fire emblem as well but then it's a very classic kind of like straightforward jrpg but then it also has the chrono trigger time travel stuff so like it's kind of a blend of a lot of things you specifically really love and to be clear i also really love them but not on your level i have to assume (laughs) Um, so it kind of feels like a perfect cocktail of things that you will like and you know uh, atop all of that it's atlas and atlas is very good at what they do so i i from what i've heard from other people who've played this game it is like very well executed literally from beginning to end like some people i've seen on the internet say this is their favorite rpg like ever ever and i very much Feel that way playing it not that it's my favorite ever but like i understand why it would be somebody's favorite
1: it feels kind of like the golden sun for the ds i know there yes. is a golden sun ds <laughs> but it feels like it's that like underdog rpg that a lot of people are like this is the best thing on the console yes and it feels like we might be more in line with that this time i was
0: i was just about to say i already i played for about three hours um i already feel way stronger about this game. Like I, I think that this will probably make the list probably then yeah. golden sun three hours in um, and especially golden sun 10 hours in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really, I'm so excited to
1: play. I'm almost nervous. It's like one of those things where I'm like, this is going to open up part of my brain.
0: This is very much a rip the bandaid off moment for me. was like, <laughs> I was sitting there in bed and I was like, I have to play a video game. That's not Pokemon legends. What do I do? And I was like, let me just do it let me just open it because it's been taunting me i have radiant historia on my ds and i have it on my 3ds and every time i open it up i have it at the front of the list on the 3ds specifically so when i open up the 3ds it's like right there it's like you have to play this at some point you got to do it and uh it just felt like after we did the chrono trigger bonus and stuff like maybe now is the time to check this thing out especially because as i continue to say throughout this episode i miss chrono trigger so radiant Historia is kind of scratching that itch at the moment Um, oh yeah i'm really excited for you to play it whenever that is i think i think you're really 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 gonna like it and i can't to talk about it
1: yeah me too i'm i'm so excited thank you for hyping it up for me i yeah. will rip the band-aid off soon i'll let yeah. you know. it's gonna be fun cool anything else that you've been playing or do you want to move on to questions
0: um no i think we can move on to questions i think before we move on to questions it might be pertinent to mention what we will be playing uh that's right because we wanted to talk about the bonus that we're going to do for this month of february which is kind of a left field pick i think because we recently did a call on twitter to say like hey what are you interested in like we have a lot of ideas for bonuses we have a big list of bonus ideas but just we're like interested in what you the dear listeners were, were curious about or what you wanted us to play um and nobody has ever mentioned this game. So we're like one one person did. One person Oh did. really? Yeah. Shout out to that person. After we decided, which was very funny. That's awesome. What are we playing, Steven? What are we playing we're this? We're playing
1: month? for the February bonus of 2022. We are playing Portal and Portal 2. Both. Uh, it's gonna be a double feature of the Portal duology. Yeah. I'm very excited. I haven't played either portal game in like Over a decade. So like weirdly Chrono Trigger is more recent for me in my (laughs) head than either Portal game. Yeah. This will be I I think we both think very fondly of them. But this is going to be an interesting bonus because it's not a like I love this. I hope you love it too bonus like Chrono Trigger was. (laughs) This is like you and I being like these are really cool. when We played them. Let's revisit them and, like, see what's up. Like, I imagine we'll both still like them, but I think it will be more of, like, a revisit energy (laughs) than, like, a here's part of my heart and soul. Yeah.
0: I really liked Portal when it came out, and then Portal 2, I remember really also enjoy although to be clear i was working at blockbuster at the time it was like right at the end of when blockbuster existed i was working at blockbuster portal 2 came out and i was very excited to rent it we had one copy in the store and i didn't get to rent it the day it came out because one of the jonas brothers came in and rented it instead (laughs) and i had to wait for the jonas brothers to return portal 2 before i could play it (laughs) (laughs) that sounded like a mad
1: lib sentence i know (laughs) It's fucking bizarre. I'm oh, so sorry. Well, you're gonna have okay. a better time this time playing Portal Two because that won't happen. <laughs> the Blockbuster's yeah. out of business, and the Jonas Brothers are nowhere near you at this point, so you're good. <laughs>
0: as far as I know, as, yeah, you never know when, yeah.
1: where where they might There's be. There's three
0: of them. They can cover a lot of ground. One, two, three. But it is worth mentioning, like. Portal, obviously, a highly acclaimed video game. Portal 2, there are people out there who say it's, like, in conversation with the best games of all time. Like, it is a game that has that kind of accolade sometimes thrown around in conversation with it. Both
1: of them do, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm very interested to see how I feel about them now. Because I remember loving them upon release, but also there's, like, the cake is a lie side of it. There's the, like, potato quality side of it. Like, there's so many, like, weird old internet memes yeah. that just feel, like, so dated and shitty at this point. Yeah. And they all stem from this game. So like I'm very interested to see how I feel about these games now with the context of like what kind of culture they've created in a sense. Sure. I have briefly
1: started the first one though, and I will say that just the basic mechanic is still very fun. Like that aspect of it is still great. Yes. Um. I
0: I guess to fill you and the dear listeners in, but like I replayed Portal One like four or five months ago for the show and they just like didn't bring it up. But It was great still. It's a good game, um, but I'm excited to play it again with like bonus Brendan Brain on uh, and uh, especially jump into two. It's worth mentioning also uh, th- these games are like pretty widely available, uh, especially if you have an Xbox. They're both like backwards compatible, so you can check them out. And they're like, I think 10 to $20 each.
1: Yeah, I think it's sometimes like good that we can cover again. So you can actually get this one. This isn't like a. <laughs> yeah. So this version is the best, but it's illegal to buy in the state of Wisconsin. You've <laughs> got to go online. Yes. And then, yeah, like there's none of that. You can just
0: get it. <laughs> uh <laughs> I like I I I liked that bit specifically because of the idea of going online being a difficult thing to do. I was like what?
1: <laughs> I got to go on the internet oh, on. shit.
0: <laughs> What's the AOL keyword?
1: How do dot, I get the dot, AOL dot, 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 dot what what? what? <laughs> um <laughs> So uh Fuck you want to take a break I'm and sick then <laughs> Sorry, I'm And then two questions. It. Uh that sounds good. Um <laughs> But I wanted to thank. Okay, how do we move on?
0: Eject. Eject. Uh,
1: I wanted to thank everyone <laughs> for sending it. I mean, there were a lot of really good, re- truly really good requests for bonuses. Um, we wrote them pretty much all down. So thank you for sharing those, those advice, that advice, the tips. Um, okay. I'll see you later. I got to go take a walk or something. <laughs> <laughs> see ya bye we are back I just want to read something it's not a question but it's something uh, someone tweeted at us on on twitter.com oh and uh, I think it, it sums up as like an analysis and an apology for what I just did <laughs> uh, Mr. The Human Th- thank you for this. It's very kind. Just to preface, I uh, just gave a five star review of Into the Cast, but I listen on Spotify, so I can't write one. So here's my review: An actual low key video game podcast. Some of the most beautifully spoken reviews and analysis I've ever heard, intermixed with some random screams and noises. Uh, and I, I as yeah. I unconsciously was doing what I did, I I thought of that, and I was like, gosh shit, that's my Pokedex entry. Is just screams every now and then, but otherwise is an okay <laughs> it's guy. very
0: nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, Thank we, you for we haven't even mentioned this is a nighttime recording. Uh, oh yeah, which that's right. Contractually, we have to mention that. Uh, so it's a different vibe. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I, I, we we usually record uh, Sunday mornings. This is a Sunday evening. I had a I had a very nice day today. Actually, I got a new camera, so I went out like shooting in Manhattan uh, just to like test it out and see how it felt, which was nice. And I went out to a nice lunch. Now I'm back here and we're recording, and it's been it's been fun. I don't know if this episode is good, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> I've been also enjoying it. I've had, I've
1: had a pretty nonstop day. It's been good, but there hasn't been a break yet. Mm. But this show is always so fun to do. It doesn't matter. I don't need a break. <laughs> anyway, let's go to questions. <laughs> uh, a lot of them we already addressed. Here's one that is completely a left turn. Maybe even a new direction. At Walla Pratt at Twitter, hi Will, says, What is the ideal modern take on Guitar Hero Rock Band Rhythm Games? i.e. what would you want to see in a new rhythm game with instrument controllers oh
0: shit yeah o- honestly right? okay so uh we don't talk about industry news a lot on the show but it is probably worth mentioning that epic games makers of uh Fortnite, maybe you've heard of it uh bought <laughs> harmonics the team that like made rock band and oh, then right yeah went on to do uh or sorry guitar hero and rock band and then you know all of the above i mean they just continued making stuff up through like fuser um and games like that so they've, you know big rhythm game pedigree specifically instrument controllers was their whole thing and i i wonder because epic games is a money machine if there is like a secret desire to bring back the plastic instrument controllers like there's no world in which manufacturing those is like cost effective and a good idea but if you're funded by epic games and you can like kind of write that stuff off because you're making so much money on Fortnite, like maybe like maybe you just bring that back because to me the idea that the new rhythm game with instrument controllers the ideal modern take like truly is just guitar hero again like i just i loved those games i thought they were great and those controllers as like silly as they were did the job just fine so that's kind of my answer is just like do more of it specifically guitar hero like rock band i thought was good but like you start getting into the the drums that you have to set up and like oh man i disagree i loved the drums i like the drums but i wouldn't buy the drums now i bought the drums then i wouldn't buy them now you know what i mean <laughs> that, that kind of
1: applies to everything for me because it's like everyone in 2010 had like a, a garage full of dusty plastic instruments mm-hmm. like once that sort of like i don't wanna say a fad but like the thing is there's still a, a huge place for that type of party game i just wonder like i i think moving away from the big plastic instruments might have to happen um i just wonder if there's a way to utilize like the, one of the many different new controllers we have in an interesting way i would love to see like an experiment with like the visual side of those games because I, I always really loved making my own band in the rock band games and like yeah and i just wonder like if you can apply like a Sayonara Wild Hearts interactive music video side mm. to a music rhythm game in some way.
0: I t- I actually have two answers for this now that okay. I'm thinking about it that are all ad- both of them address all of your concerns here. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. One of them is Beat Saber. Oh um, yeah, totally. Which, yeah, which just like is that. Right. I mean, that is like very much what we're looking for has like an extremely interesting visual aesthetic that changes depending on what song you're playing along to as well. The other one kind of in a similar vein, but um, a little bit more, I would say, like artistic directed is Thumper, which also is a VR title, um, but you can play it not in VR. But Thumper feels to me kind of like that is like, okay, you have this rhythm game that has like a really high concept right it's they call it a rhythm violence game and uh it's absolutely horrifying i mean it's like you know kind of a, like unknowable a horror that is also a rhythm game and that is very cool to me but there are other versions of this like rez like bring back rez things like that Oh um, i love rez rez is one of my favorite games yeah but i do think vr is maybe the answer for this
1: yeah i hate saying that Like, you're absolutely right like it makes so much sense but i'm so allergic to the like in the next week all your meetings are going to be in vr like I don't want that but I do think in the case I'm se- of music I'm
0: very much separating VR and metaverse here yes, I don't, yes, I don't yes. want to talk about the metaverse like ever but same we're on the same page but, but I do imagine think- a guitar hero in VR for example yeah no
1: I do think you're right I think that for a long time VR was being like broadcast as like this is what all games are leading to like every game is building up to this idea of virtual reality as, as early as like the 80s like, you always saw that like in the future games are going to be VR and it's like mm-hmm. that's just sort of one approach you know and i think that it really depends on like does that serve the game itself and i think that it's it really is the perfect place for music rhythm games so will i think that the vr is the future for guitar hero i think you're right okay
0: (laughs) i'll take my money now please mark (laughs)
1: thank you no at sw springer uh besides chrono trigger what game did you guys spend the most attempts trying to break into was it worth it in the end and what do you think crow a gunk would taste like? Uh, the last one, I, I think that eating Crow gunk isn't even on my radar. It's a sin, but probably terrible. I think like, bad, I feel like, like rubbery, I feel like. He's like all cartilage and poison. Yeah, <laughs> so I think like, the texture would be really bad. <laughs> really bad. Game I tried to break into, I mean, I think a big one for me was, uh, on the show was Dragon Quest XI. I initially, mm, yeah. like, when I played that in 2018, I liked it. I liked it enough to bring it to the show, but I kind of felt like... I struggle to find what the the hype was about. Like I played it and I enjoyed it, but it was my first Dragon Quest game. I didn't really know like, I'm like, is this the kind of thing I needed to like play first? Like, is this like a whatever? And then you played it and loved it. And that was the first time where a lot of people were, like, very politely, like, not in a shitty way, but a lot of people were like, hey, you should really give this another chance. Like, this is so yeah, your yeah. thing. And you were also right. I mean, a, a big part of it was I played the PS4 version and not the definitive edition, which I do think makes a big difference. in terms of just, like, the general... Atmosphere of that game. Um, but that was a big one. That like was a two years after playing the game and not really knowing if it was for me, going back to it and finding it to be not only a game that I loved, but like one of my favorite games ever was a mm-hmm. really cool experience. Totally. So and I would say other than that, I would I would say that the Souls games just inherently are that oh, yeah. in many ways. <laughs> Absolutely. I played the first Dark Souls and enjoyed it, but got very frustrated, and then years later got Bloodborne on a whim, and that was the one that kind of clicked for me so mm. similar kind of thing where like i i appreciated it but i couldn't get into it right away
0: on that note i have a, I have a strange inverse to this question actually uh with with a, a fromsoft game which is sekiro which you and i like absolutely fucking loved and was oh, like yeah. in our like show's top five that year was like in my i think it was number three for me maybe that year um it was like towards was the top two of, for me towards was, the top yeah. of the list and every time i've gone back to play it i like it less which is interesting because i loved it loved it loved it the first time and i like a lot of what's happening there i i think weirdly it's the focus on narrative that makes me want to not play that game anymore every time i've gone back to play it because i i go back and i Check out Souls games like all the time. (laughs) Just like, it's not even a thing I bring up on the show because it happens so frequently. It's like, I'm just going to get into Dark Souls 3 this week. Sure. Every time I go back and play Sekiro, I end up bouncing off it faster than I did the previous time. And it's usually because it's like, oh, they're trying to tell a story here. And I know I have to bash my head against the Souls combat to get further in the story. And I don't want to do that when I could play something like Dark Souls 2 which is like story agnostic. And it's just like, just see if you can do it. And that seems more fun to me.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I completely agree, but I know you're, I know what you're That's saying. That's just my experience. I know yeah, that other yeah. people
0: don't feel that way about but it.
1: But I do think that like, because Sekiro is so focused on narrative and so focused on like a singular style of play, there's less of a reason to replay it. Because like with Dark Souls, you could play as a new class or like, yeah, you know, There, totally. there there's, there's more openness to like how you approach the game, both as a... Character and the combat they choose, or even like in the order you do events. There is that in Sekiro, but I think it is like a really profound first playthrough and then maybe not as much later on yeah um, I can see that I can yeah. see
0: that. that that's been a kind of interesting experience for me is like the exact opposite of this which is like <laughs> I didn't have to try at all to love Sekiro the first time and, I, and now I have to feel like I try it uh, or I feel like I have to try at it a little bit harder um but my actual answers to this question one of them I think the one that like paid off for example uh that also happened on the show was Death Stranding which I like thought yeah. was like pretty good the first time I played it and now I think it's like an absolute fucking masterpiece must play like can't wait to eventually pick up direct cut when i have some free time and like just do the whole thing again with new content great so stoked for that the one that is like currently simmering that i am continuing to go back and try over and over and over again and it's just, like it has all the aspects of things that i love and i just like don't know why it's not working for me is disco elysium which yeah you and yeah. i played for the show once i got like two or three hours in was like I I have to try so hard to play this game like I'm having a hard time playing it but I appreciate so much about what's going on here and it's just like not working for me but I know it's great like I feel that it's great in the moment and recently it was released on Switch and I also picked it up on Switch and tried again and also got like two or three hours in and I'm like oh why not why is this not working and I have a feeling eventually maybe it'll just click but maybe it won't. Who knows? Not yeah. all games are for everybody. That brings us to actually a very similar question that I I, I
1: feel a very similar way about Disco Elysium. Uh, Moonstone Stella on Twitter says, what are some games that you like in theory, but struggles actually play? Oh. For, no. uh, so like I, I had the same thing with Disco Elysium. Like I so admire the writing and the presentation, the, the things that are tackled in that game, the weird like surreal approach to DD dice rolls where it's just, like, parts of your consciousness are like rolling dice without you knowing it yeah um but the actual act of playing it like i wonder if that's a game that i would enjoy watching way more than playing mm-hmm. i think that i, I would want to see more story but i've also learned that like as much of an rpg person as i am i struggle more with like that kind of like old school crpg style where there's like like yeah. we actually i have enough i have uh Little enough experience in that style of game that when we actually brought Disco Elysium to the show, you and I both kept equating it to a point and click. And a lot of people were like, it's not really a point and click. It's like a CRPG like this, this and that. And I'm like, oh, I don't even have that vocabulary because I haven't (laughs) like that's like the one area that I feel like very inexperienced. in. so maybe it is like, I mean, I do like divinity. I did really like the early access of Baldur's Gate 3. So I know I have it in me somewhere. Yeah. But I, I just, I think it might be a time and place kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Baldur's Gate 3 for you is going to be your entry point the same way like Fire Emblem Three Houses or Dragon Quest <laughs> 11 was for me and JRPGs. Yes, exactly. My right. my answer to that, a, a recent answer for this, because I tried playing it for the show and it just like didn't work for me, although I really like a lot of what's going on. Um. I finally i talked about this last year i think when they announced it and it released on pc but um i finally started playing hundred days the winemaking simulator um that's the full name by the way it's not i'm not just adding the winemaking simulator it is hundred days hyphen the winemaking simulator I, li- I like that confidence in that title but anyway i started playing that and played it for like two and a half hours with like breakfast like i made like really good scrambled eggs and toast and like made myself like french press coffee it was like this is going to be the perfect vibe to play this winemaking game uh and i played it for like two two and a half hours and i liked a lot of what was going on and it just like I just felt no desire to go back to it after which was a little bit of a bummer because I had so many aspects of things that I like first of all learning a ton about how wine is made because it's very in the weeds it was very cool I also yeah. really like like management and sim games like that like uh, going too, back yeah. to like being a kid and playing rollercoaster tycoon and stuff like I like that style of game but for some reason 100 days just didn't click for me which was one of those situations where it's like I've wanted to play this game for a really long time and I finally got my hands on it I was playing it on iPad which was a really great port by the way and it just like didn't work for me which was a little bit of a bummer but at the same time again i i've heard from other people that it's great and other people have gotten really great stuff out of it so yeah um, if that sounds interesting to you i recommend checking it out it's also i think six dollars so like pick
1: it up it's always disappointing but it's nice when like we have an experience where like okay i, I can still recommend this on some level even yeah. though it didn't click with me absolutely and i find that it's kind of remarkable that with the amount of games we play for the show very rarely do you and i feel like this isn't even worth bringing up you know like almost mm. never is there a game where we just like don't like touch it because we like don't think there's <laughs> anything to say <laughs> Yeah, yeah. or at least we don't think it's productive to say anything about it here's an interesting one I'm, I'm choosing questions kind of as the conversation flows and, like sure. which ones make sense so apologies if I don't get to all of them but we do keep like a backlog of all the questions sent to us in case we ever want to like pull back from that list of questions so thank you to those who sent in their questions at Skrosuf asks what kind of stories do you think games are uniquely suited to tell and why 13 sentinels ages for him <laughs> Next question. <laughs> it's a really interesting question. I mean, I think it's very hard to answer. It's almost like like a notch below what is the meaning of life in some ways. <laughs> but uh, I do think like when I think about adaptations, I think I learn more about what a medium is like suited for when I see adaptations into another medium. So like. A movie, for example, a movie has to be very focused. Like it doesn't have to all be the same, but a movie only has so much time to tell a story. And it has to largely be visual. And a good movie is usually something you have to watch twice because your brain is going to miss a lot of that the first time. So like there's a focus to movies that that is very important. Whereas a book has the luxury of like being able to have sort of a more omnipresent view over things. And again, Mm. this is very broadly speaking, there are plenty of movies like the Lord of the Rings trilogy that kind of seek to emulate that omnipresent like view of the world and of this big epic adventure. And there are books that are like very focused and very minimalist. But I think overall, like, what does that medium have the capability to do unique to itself i I think that with games it's always been the the role of the player is is the really like singular unique element where it's like what does that mean does it mean that like it's as simple as like this is a score chase game and the better we do you know we'll just have our name higher on a list as like simple as possible or is it a Mass Effect where our choices will unravel the story in a different way. Uh, Or Disco Elysium, where we're like kind of totally adrift and we have a a illusion of choice, but it's largely like things just affecting us over time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I think that games are really like, I think for role playing and for horror, they have especially high potential because like you are in that position yourself. So I've always been really, that's why I think I gravitate towards RPGs because like the creative agency a player would have over the story and over the outcome of the story is really unique compared to any other medium other than like a choose your own adventure book, you know, whereas a movie is always going to be a movie, a game that is largely a score chase game or a multiplayer focused game versus something like Kentucky at zero. Those are almost different mediums. So it's very hard to say <laughs> yeah. in like a singular phrase, like this is why, but I do think player role and interaction is, is the one that I would, focus on and or at least like in terms of what stories it can tell i think that like by focusing on that aspect games have the most potential to take advantage of their own unique
0: form well said first of all um but immediately two forking thoughts from that yes. explanation number 1 is i feel like i want to see more stories adapted into video game form mm. the only version of that that we've really seen was like movie tie-in games you know, uh, which very frequently were not very good. Some glowing exceptions, I think. Right. Like Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 2, for example, like hugely influential, very popular game actually managed to take the storyline of that film and insert player agency and gameplay in between those story beats that actually made it feel like better in some ways, which is wild. You know, Spider-Man 2. Also, unbelievable movie, obviously. But I think that that, that, um, like nailing of gameplay and swinging mechanics and open world exploration interwoven between story beats from the film was like extremely successful. But I think, generally speaking, like, how would you do something? I don't fuck it. The Great Gatsby. Like, how do you make the Great (laughs) Gatsby video game? You know, I'm curious how possible that is and if people will ever feel the like, audacity to tackle that you know i think i think it'd be fascinating to see movies that aren't like you know big ip franchise dunk fests turned into video games um or alternatively like books like i would love to see books adapted into video games in that way um it happens very infrequently i do know there is a dante's inferno video game and i don't know anything about it outside of its existence so that's one half of this the other half Is almost the inverse in a way you explaining video games in that way and the importance of player agency kind of actually almost illuminates why so many video game adaptations into film are so bad. The idea of taking Assassin's Creed and turning that into a movie like at the end of the day, Assassin's Creed isn't a good story. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fun conceit for a story but it's not a good story and the more you adhere to the bad story of the video game and remove the player agency the more scraps you're left with to try and piece something interesting together and at the end of the day like there just isn't something interesting (laughs) to put on the screen outside of just like a cool idea but the idea is cooler than the execution in a lot of instances so i think that that kind of answers like a, a lingering question for me which is like why are so many video game adaptations bad except for sonic the hedgehog
1: <laughs> i also think like i have a theory that like up until recently most video game movies were like some script floating around hollywood that they just stamped the ip over it's <laughs> like like the mario brothers movie like that doesn't that's not Mario. <laughs> it's like a very, very strange film that happens to just have Mario in it. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, it's there. There are certain things like I think musicals are also very, very hard to adapt to, to, to screen. Like there are very few like great movies that are adapted from musicals. With some glowing exceptions, Chicago is great, and Chicago mm-hmm. I think doesn't forget that it's a musical like it, yeah. it, you, it takes advantage of being a musical, but it also takes advantage of being a film to do things that you couldn't do on stage in a way that isn't like distracting like it's it's tough it's really tough and it also is all subjective so like it's really hard to say this is a great question, and like you could probably have a whole podcast just about this idea and explore a different philosophy in each episode that uncharted movie' is, like doomed right <laughs> I just don't, like, I, I don't understand, <laughs> you know, it's actually funny you bring that up because Uncharted in many ways does feel like a video game adaptation of like Indiana Jones. You yeah, know? It's, you're it's, right. It's very, and now it's like, why would the whole mission of Uncharted in, you know, back in the early 2010s is like, we're going to prove that games can be as cinematic as like, you know, captivating as movies. Cause that was in an era where like games they still are in, in some corners, but I think overall games have like become more respected over time. But in in that time, I think games are really trying to prove like, no, 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 we can we can be on the same level. And Uncharted was like kind of desperately and successfully trying to prove that it could be cinematic. So then to make a movie out of that almost defeats the whole purpose of the game.
0: <laughs> you know, I, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, I would almost argue that Uncharted fails at that more than it succeeds in that it just Uh it just feels like a movie with bad gameplay in between a lot of the time (laughs) and maybe removing that player agency and the ability for nathan drake to die and needing to collect ammo and shoot 1000 goons in the head maybe removing all of that would make that story better because i actually think for the most part that is kind of naughty dog's whole mo at this point right it's just like telling cinematic stories in a gameplay medium yeah I think The Last of Us, for example, and The Last of Us 2 are a better interweaving between like actually great cinematic storytelling and really good gameplay systems. Sure. Uncharted actually might be better without the gameplay systems in a sense, but also I still think the movie's doomed. I don't think the movie's going to be a good adaptation <laughs> of those stories, but those stories are pretty fun. They are. Yeah, I I really like Uncharted 4 a lot. Like me too. We talk and, about that all the time. And as we've talked about, yeah. Lost Legacy is like probably the best one. Uh, at least I feel that way. I, I I love 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 that story so much. I kind of want to get the PS5 remake anyway. I'm very interested in the HBO adaptation of The Last of Us for that oh, reason. I don't care at all. Like I mean, I I don't like. I I'm I'll be happy if it's good. I just don't. I'm fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be fair. I'll be j- I'm just interested to see if that like breaks outside of being like a thing that video game likers watch and becomes like a cultural like moment, you know, like there there. I think there is the potential in that story for people who have never played a video game before or think that video games are like a medium that isn't even worth considering to watch that story just watch that story play out and be like wow this is very compelling this is very interesting this is very good i think that possibility exists and i just wonder if it'll happen
1: yeah I, I think so too i mean for me i the reason i'm not as interested is i just i don't really like need or want more of that story at this point and i'm also like i agree with you yeah <laughs> but i <laughs> think like overall like just taking a back like taking a step back i think you're absolutely right
0: anyway is my mom going to text me and be like, are you watching The Last of Us? You know, like that's <laughs> that's what I want to know. Sorry. Uh, I yeah, wonder if you- it'll
1: be similar to Arcane where, you know, it's always like, I don't know anything about this, but the show is great kind yes, of thing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. that's The what thing I about
0: Arcane, though, is that
1: like other than like snippets of lore and spinoff games and like wikis, if you play League of Legends, you're not really getting like direct story. <laughs> so to adapt, like yeah. to just take those characters and kind of run with them is like. You know, it almost feels like that was like the better approach in some ways, or like yeah. it was easier in some ways to adapt because you didn't have to like twist the pre-existing story as much. I know that, that that story already existed, but it was like yeah, less defined already. Yeah, so there was more room to be like, oh, this is the definitive story of these characters, kind of thing. Mm. Anyway, uh, here's a fun one. What type would you like to see for the next evolution? What's
0: left? What's not represented?
1: A lot. I have to say, of all the things Pokemon is like kind of drilled to dust, the evolutions they've been pretty tame. So red and blue, we got Vaporeon, Flareon, oh, yeah. and Jolteon. And then in silver and gold, we got Umbreon and Espeon. And then in then there was no new Eevee in Gen 3. In Gen 4, we got Leafeon, one of my favorites, yeah, and Leafeon's Glaceon. Good. And then uh, Sylveon, Sylveon. The, the fairy one. And that's, that's it. So there hasn't been a new one in a long time. Wow. In almost 10 years. (laughs) I'm impressed I knew all that. I'll say it. So for me, the one I've wanted forever is a ghost type EV. Oh, hell yeah. Although it does kind of imply that, like, the EV died, which is kind of sad.
0: Yeah, what, if it, but what do, if it looked exactly like Eevee but was transparent?
1: I do. I, I did draw a while ago, like, my idea for it, which was, like, a pumpkin on its head and, like, the, the
0: vines are its ears. Oh, yeah, and I kinda, remember that. Has, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think a ghost Eevee would be really cool. I would also love a bug Eevee. Give it, like, big caterpillar eyes and, like, little wings.
0: Oh, God, that seems terrifying.
1: <laughs> but honestly, keep it simple. Like, maybe just, like, a rock Eevee. It's, like, a... Like little golem quadruped, uh, but I would say bug and ghost are my would be would be my votes.
0: My, uh, I'll I'll do two picks. if yeah, I get it. if I get two picks, one of them would be a, a dragon type, which is just long. I just want a long EV. Dragon Eevee would be very cool. Yeah, yeah. But, what, yeah. but but Steve, what if it was long? You know, what if it was a what long is, Eevee?
1: What are you, okay. <laughs> oh oh yeah. man,
0: look at that dragon type Eevee. That's a long Eevee. Uh, and then also I just think a fighting type would be really fun because I would just make it like Eevee, but wearing like a like a headband. Oh,
1: that's cool. I like that idea a lot. <laughs> just like,
0: fucking ripped.
1: <laughs> yeah, what if fighting type Eevee was like just <laughs> actually a human? Just like a human with like a bandana. Just like
0: a guy, yeah. That's the Machoke uh section. Uh, yeah. Machamp yeah. is just fighting type Eevee. <laughs> <laughs> canonically
1: like no this is actually just another evolution yeah uh fun ideas and i'm gonna end on this one one last question sure at silverhanded asks what game do you wish existed but doesn't a specific interest you have a sequel that never was or spiritual remake a mashup whatever so here's a game that that doesn't exist but was like rumored for forever was chrono break uh there was (laughs) like there was an ip or not ip but the name Chrono Break was trademarked by Square, like, forever ago, mm. shortly after Chrono Cross. And everyone was... Like, that was, like, the rumor in, like, 2000, you know, and yeah. every gaming magazine it was like we heard this about chrono break and like the answer is you heard nothing because there was nothing (laughs) about chrono break and then like a decade later there was like the the, it was about to expire like the copyright was going to expire and everyone was like is this is going to be it and then it just they just let it expire no way wow (laughs) there is a fan made like intro to the chrono break game that came out in like 2013 i think I don't know what it... It's a cool intro, but I don't know like what it's implying the story would even be. Yeah. But I just would love to have seen another game in that series in some capacity. Mm. So that would be my vote. Chrono mm. break.
0: Uh, this is a weird thing because it just feels like... Uh, I guess this is answering the question. This is a sequel that I would like. I wish that they would continue the Tokyo Mirage Sessions ip i think that that is a good third tentpole for like shin megami tensei persona and i think tokyo mirage sessions could have continued because it feels to me like almost that's that's the hierarchy in a way of difficulty where like tokyo mirage sessions is more interested in like telling a story and having very kind of like light combat jrpg mechanics that game is like very easy it's very fun it's very breezy to get through persona is like the more intense version of that because you're also adding all of these like like literally darker elements and then also have the like management of relationships with actual human beings, uh, alongside that. And then you have Shin Megami Tensei, which is like the hardcore version of all of that, which is like, this yeah. game doesn't give a shit about you. You just <laughs> bash your head against the wall. Like it's a soul's game until, until you eventually make your way through. And I, kind of wish that Tokyo Mirage Sessions would continue as that like more entry level version of what like you could work your way up that ladder eventually.
1: That's so interesting. I didn't really feel like not not to counter that. I think that's a great idea to have that hierarchy. But when I played that, I didn't really find it to be like especially beginner friendly. At least, like, in my experience. Because I felt like the... I think it does require a little bit of, like, prior persona or SMT knowledge to, like, know what the moves do and, like, the expected synergy between certain things. But I do think you're right that, like, that could be a cool, like... To have those three options would be very interesting.
0: The thing is, I feel that way about Persona, like and and SMT. Like I, I'm amazed when people tell me that they love Persona, like they have never played a JRPG before, but they like loved Persona Five. Like that blows my mind every time it happens, because I find that game to be so so opaque and, like, so hard to get into, generally speaking. I know that you don't feel that way, and I know a lot of people who listen to this show and a lot of people in my life don't feel that way. I think you're
1: right because the thing is, at least with Persona 5, you're right that it's opaque, that they, like, (laughs) like, oh, that dude at the counter, if you didn't talk to him in June, you missed this whole thing. Yeah. But the difficulty of the combat doesn't really require you know a lot of those things. Like, I feel like the way you can progress through the game... Like, you don't really need to know how, like, or at least you don't need to, like, really know everything about, like, how fusions work and how certain things work. As long as you have, like, the basic mechanics down, you can kind of just plow through it. Whereas, I think three and four are definitely more obtuse and there's difficulty that comes with that <laughs> yeah. whereas five I, I think like difficulty is subjective obviously but i think five like it doesn't require that mastery in the same way if that makes sense even i though it is think
0: opaque. this is like the key difference between you and i in a sense because like i think even going back to games that we keep trying to break into i mean for me it's persona like i've played 10 to 15 to 20 hours of every persona game like sometimes more than once like persona 4 i've played 10 hours of like three or four times at this point <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they just I love those games. They just don't work for me. I like I've never finished one and I really want to like I want desperately to finish those games. I just have such a fucking hard time doing it. And that's kind of the key difference, I think, here. And something about Tokyo Mirage Sessions just felt like, oh, this is the breeziest version of all of this. Like, yeah, I, I sense I'm just immediately falling into this game. The combat is so easy. They kind of have the Pokemon thing where it just tells you what's weak against what like very like on the surface, like so obvious how to how to like just completely destroy in combat. And then they also have this whole like section of that game that literally just exists to like level up way past where you're supposed to be leveled. That is like super easy to do. It's like this dungeon that you could just grind in for like 30 minutes and you're like 10 to 15 levels above what you're supposed to be. And then you just kind of plow through until the next story beat. I find that that game is very easy to get into uh, in a way that I, I I don't think Persona is to me.
1: Yeah, I understand. Um, I didn't mean to challenge you too much on that. I just I just wanted. No, to, no, yeah. no.
0: I think you should. I, I, that I <laughs> I don't think it's bad for us to have different opinions about Persona. I know, I know.
1: I do think it's interesting because the SMT label overall, even though like traditionally, yes, the the mainline entries are these like very moody kind of like hardcore audience in mind RPGs, but they also have so many like. Like, technically, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is, like, an offshoot of SMT more than it is uh, Persona, even though it feels more like Persona. So I just wonder if in the future, like, they will continue to experiment or with the success of SMT5, they're just going to, like, keep focusing on that while Persona is, like, the bubbly one or the more, like, uh, welcoming one in quotes. Isn't it wild to think that Persona is the bubbly one? (laughs) Um, It is very funny. I mean, but I think saying that out loud makes me realize like there is a place, especially like for the people who really love Persona for the social side of it, but maybe just like even whether it's hard or not, just don't enjoy the battles. Like, I wonder if there's like a a place for like a even more kind of socially centric Persona type game. Yeah. Who knows? There's a lot of possibilities. I would love that. I don't always need
0: uh, an end of the world Plot, you know. Well, that's a whole separate conversation. That is like a whole six, separate conversation. But I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, another answer to this question could be like anything by Team Eco. Like, oh yeah, just, <laughs> just like <laughs> fuck me up, give me anything, and I'll be happy. But uh, honestly, there are a lot of there are a lot of games we played for this show where I feel like playing them and loving them is a curse because like it just like we'll just never have a sequel we'll never have another one we'll never have a continuation of these things you know which you is you don't always
1: need it though i mean I, th- I forgot what game it was oh it was Star Fox, where you were like not everything needs to be brought back you can just have that like really special moment in time yeah and that game still exists like but i do think it's like oh i would have loved to see a continuation of this specific story that's why i thought of chrono breaks i'm like if i can rest assured that there's one game that will never exist Yeah. It's Chrono Break. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very sad we're getting Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise and not Chrono Break, (laughs) but that's okay. I'm actually like, I am devastatingly curious about Stranger of Paradise. I need to know what's going on in that game, like in every detail. So, more on that when it comes out. But anyway.
0: Yeah. Speaking of games I've tried to break into over and over again. Final Fantasy. Almost all of them.
1: <laughs> you got uh, into 12 pretty strongly.
0: Yeah. But I didn't finish it, you know. Right. How I would love to finish a Final Fantasy game. My, my kingdom for a completed save file.
1: <laughs> the thing is, I I, I would say with, with a few exceptions, I don't know if like... Like, I think and this is another big conversation of like whether or not you have to beat a game in order to say like i've experienced this and i think it really is case by case because some games like are kind of built to be endless some games like there are a few games where i'm like you do really need to see the end like you will be happy you saw it through and other games where i've like forced myself to see the end i don't really actually feel the satisfaction that i thought i would yeah i feel like i I made it a chore when i probably would have felt better if i was like you know what that was my time with it maybe i'll go back one day but i don't need to press through if i'm not enjoying it anymore Mm, mm, so yeah i set that up because a lot of of Final Fantasy is like a lot of them tend to go like wildly off the rails, and like the last acts, you're probably good, like not beating most of them, honestly. Yeah, I say that as a huge fan, I would say like four, six, and seven and 10 okay a lot of them are pretty good (laughs) till the end but i know i I don't think you should feel bad about not finishing them is what i was trying to communicate
0: yeah i i know where you're coming from though like a lot a lot of them towards the end are just like what are you what are you even doing here like you don't you don't have to explain this much (laughs) it's okay all i'll say is that final fantasy 9 ends with the final
1: boss directly quoting yoda from the phantom menace is
0: that real yes like on purpose the final boss is like, as Yoda said, in 2001, sorry, in 1999's The Phantom Menace.
1: <laughs> they don't cite Yoda. Okay. So you could you could give this paper an F. But I, I'm pretty confident that the final boss of FF9 opens the fight with a quote from Yoda from Phantom Menace. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to pain, pain leads to stuff, that, that whole thing.
0: Oh my god, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at a screenshot. What the fuck?
1: Your time with FF9 will be better if you don't see
0: that is what i'm trying to say (laughs) that's incredible that they put that in this video game
1: yeah i mean it came out the same year and there there are a lot of star wars easter eggs in final fantasy like especially the older ones it's like a common thing for whatever reason
0: but before we get an email that bit i know that that bit is from the original trilogy (laughs) Just just to be clear uh Anyway, so so don't worry about not finishing Final Fantasy Nine. <laughs> I don't think I need to now. Uh, wow, I I've, that really felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders was hearing that he quotes Yoda. Um, <laughs> when I when I say off the rails, I fucking mean it. Yeah. I mean quoting Yoda. Oh, I'm trying to decide. I'll, I'll say it. Why not? Uh, I, I do f- <laughs> Just at the risk of extending the episode. I think weirdly wh- one of the one of the square games that like gets and en- like big bombastic, like totally going off the rails, but it totally works. Endings right is Kingdom Hearts 2, where like. I don't know if you ever got to the end of that game, but I did. Yeah.
1: A while ago. It's been a while, but I did finish it when I was in high school.
0: The way that game ends where you're like working your way up the organization 13 tower and stuff. Um, I, I don't want to say too much more for like spoiler reasons, but you kind of can't even really spoil it. Cause it's just like boss fight after boss fight, after boss fight, after boss fight in like really geometric, kind of like totally bizarre landscapes and and places and it like almost doesn't even matter what the story is at that point like it almost doesn't even matter like what reveals there are what twists there are like you're not getting any information that's like illuminating your understanding of like characters or story or anything like that it's literally just like you and Sora simultaneously you the player and Sora as the player avatar feel so strongly that you just need to get to the top of the tower like you just need to finish it that like I feel like that's what a lot of big bombastic stories in games try to go for at the end is like it's it's more about emotion than anything else and kingdom hearts 2 is like one of the only games for me that's ever gotten it right we're like a fantastic point i just like yeah. wept at the end of that like act, like openly wept at the end of kingdom hearts 2 not because the story was like good <laughs> but because i i just felt emotionally exactly the way the writers wanted me to feel at that time
1: yeah it, it was more about atmosphere and and everything you know, again,
0: emotions. I mean, I final fantasy seven remake also kind of does a similar thing, it which I really, it really does.
1: Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, this goes back to you saying I don't need a world-ending plot and everything. Because I think that when you default to high stakes, it can feel very shallow if it doesn't feel earned. Yeah. You know, and it's and again, it's like going back to Mass Effect, where you know those games, every game deals with like either a a galaxy-ending or universe-ending threat, right? But they all work, in my opinion, because. What's actually at threat is the characters you've met and the relationships you've built. And like totally there's a tangible thing at risk that isn't just the game telling you like, oh, this is a big deal. You actually do feel it Mm -hmm. and you feel responsible for the success and the failures. So it's like high stakes aren't inherently bad, but. Again, I think sometimes a a script that lacks confidence can just be like, oh, and then God shows up and you have to fight God. And it's like that, <laughs> that, that will feel really weird if
0: it's like out of nowhere kind of yes. thing. Yes. All right. That's we, my, that's my opinion at least. Dear listener, thank you for all your questions. Um, <laughs> thank you. Really, really appreciate it. We should probably wrap up. That yeah. felt like a good way to end it. I think so too. Talking I about mean, endings, perfect.
1: Perfect. It's on the nose, but it works. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Into the cast.online is the hub for all our various links to Twitch and YouTube, the Patreon, and various places to listen to the show. Um, if you are backing the Patreon, thank you so much. We are in the process of making a new Patreon bonus soon. I'm going to keep it a secret for now, but I think you're going to enjoy it. And if backing the show at all puts you in a financial strain, please do not. But by backing the show, you will get access to uh, the patron bonuses and every bonus we have done prior to that, the The patron bonuses specifically. Um, so that backlog will always be there for you if you have to pull your support anytime. And then maybe you're like able to later you'll regain access to all those older episodes so it's very flexible and just thank you all for those who were able to back the show we saw a lot of uh recent support just thank you so much what else is going on anything on your on your horizon in terms of like streams or things you're checking out things you're excited about
0: as as we've been mentioning a lot of uh pokemon legends streams um i probably will continue doing those even though I'm you done should with the i game. love
1: watching them they're so fun
0: i'll like very very overtly mark that i'm like in the post game in those videos um but i i do want to kind of seek out those last few remaining threads and see what's up um because that seems very fun so i'm going to try and do that uh see if i can like beat the like final final bosses etc etc cetera. Et cetera. Uh, see what's going on so i would imagine expect that i mean you and i have just been like kind of streaming a lot more recently so uh, just like expect to see more from us i think we kind of have phases where we go in and out and, yeah, and this yeah. seems to be a phase where we are very much in so um <laughs> hey february we'll, we'll make the best yeah. of it yeah <laughs> that's exactly it's a good way of there are at
1: phases it. i don't know cold phases where you can't really where go you can't outside. fucking leave because it's 16 yeah.
0: degrees out yeah yeah so i don't know what it's going to be but probably that uh i do think i i mentioned this on my last stream but i'm considering doing another their, um street photography video but in Pokemon Arceus. Um, oh you should. Which I think would be really fun, especially considering that game doesn't have like a legit photo mode in it. I think that'd be a fun thing to do. It's like take a bunch of screenshots and then like edit them in in like Lightroom or capture one or something. It seems like fun. But anyway, that's kind of it for me. Cool. That's exciting. And playing I more Radiant Historia. Perfect chronology oh. for the Nintendo three DS. I'm so
1: excited to rip the band aid off for that game.
0: Yeah. And I think Elden Ring comes out in like two weeks.
1: So Oh my God. <laughs> So that people behind the current one of the reasons why we went with Portal and Portal 2 is because it was a little shorter. Um, like, we're still very excited to play those games, obviously. But like, knowing what's coming out this month and knowing how much we were already playing rcs and other games it was like let's like make sure this all fits yeah <laughs> so very excited for that
0: oh um, man yeah we got horizon forbidden west coming soon we got elden ring at the like very end of the month sifu comes out in t- in uh, or i guess the week that this that looks awesome recording's coming out for that. yeah, yeah. There's, there's been a lot of back and forth about like the behind the scenes of that game i don't know oh I, really yeah it's yeah phew, i don't know if we're gonna cover it or not um okay, but I've, I see. I've seen some i've seen some like very glowing reviews i've seen some very negative ones even just like from a gameplay perspective Perspective. So um kind of curious. Uh, but anyway, yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot going on this month. Bear with us, dear listener. <laughs>
1: Bear with us. I like that as a signature. Bear with us. I'm Steven Hilliger. You can find me <laughs> at Steven hilliger <laughs> I am
0: Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Have a
1: wonderful rest of your day. Goodbye. Goodbye.